0: Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talk to David Okuniev, the co-founder of Typeform, a Barcelona-based SaaS company that specializes in online form building and online surveys. David and Robert were running a small design agency in Barcelona. A client asked them to create a form that could be used to collect information about people attending an exhibition. Instead of building a regular old form, they wanted to do something different. And inspired by the 1980s movie War Games, they created a form that was more conversational. After that project was over, they talked about turning that idea into a product but they weren't in a particular rush and they spent the next two years trying to build the right product. When they were almost ready to launch the beta, they put up a landing page and promoted it on beta list. And in a few weeks, they'd collected around 5,000 email addresses. When they launched the beta, people started creating and sharing forms. And when they shared a form, new people discovered the product, signed up, and created their own forms. The product that they'd spent years trying to get right was quickly going viral. In fact, when they introduced a paid plan, which was about $25 a month, it took them about a year to get to the first million dollars in ARR. And the interesting thing about Typeform is that the founders didn't start with a niche market. They built a product that was for everyone, which is counterintuitive to what the majority of startups do. Today, their business is doing around $30 million in ARR and employs around 200 people. In this interview, we talk about why the founders focus so much on building a great product, why design and user experience was more important to them than customer development or marketing, and how they've grown Typeform into an eight-figure business. We also talk about a new product they've recently launched called Video Ask, and how, once again, they're building a unique online form And survey experience with a very different product. I hope you enjoy the interview. David, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here, Mark. So do you have a favorite quote, something that inspires or motivates you or gets you out of bed every day?
1: Mm, I wouldn't say it gets me out of bed every day, but uh, one of my favorite quotes is from John Lennon. It's, uh, life is what happens to you when you make other plans. And to me, that's just a really good lesson because Whatever happens, like your life's just going to be your life and you can either, you know, resist it or let it happen. And that's kind of just a, a philosophy of trying not to like panic too much about what happens and just trust in, in in your path. A little bit like I can ride the wave on a surfboard and I can stand straight on a surfboard and try and balance and try to control myself. Or if I'm always fighting against it and not accepting how it is, then I'm going to fall off. So. So yeah, John Lennon,
0: good man. Yeah, I love that. Did you see the movie? Was it yesterday? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Actually. Have you seen that? <laughs> that, was
1: good. that was really good fun.
0: Yeah, uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, so so your background is interesting. You were born in Belgium. You yeah. grew up in England, and you live in Spain.
1: And between that, I lived in Bogota in Colombia in South America for three years,
0: just to mix things up, make things more even interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So for people who aren't, I mean, I i think most people know Typeform, but for people who may not be familiar, can you tell us what does the product do, who's it for, and what's the main problem that you're helping to solve? So
1: Typeform is a data collection tool. Essentially, what we do is help companies or brands connect with their communities, mainly through are forms which don't really feel like forms they feel like digital experiences and essentially what we've came up with was a more conversational way to ask people questions be it feedback be it a quiz be it lead generation be it some kind of process or another and just get all that data into a system to be able to analyze it or pass it on to a third party essentially we are the kind of the the interface for many companies trying to ask people questions. I, I guess the most easy use case for people to understand is like just a typical survey or feedback survey.
0: I read somewhere that part of the inspiration for type form and kind of creating that more conversational type interface was um toilet. Toilet. Was it
1: was it toilet? Yes. No. Okay. I'm tell explained. me about that.
0: Before. <laughs> Actually, I was t- I was going to talk about uh, uh, what was it? War Games, the nineteen eighties movie. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah it's part of
1: the- War Games is part of the toilet story. Okay. <laughs> so. so- like we came up with type them on the toilet, but actually it's more like figuratively speaking, it, it was actually very related to a toilet. So a toilet company here in Barcelona called Roca, they originally approached us, myself and my co-founder. They came to us just to build a lead generation form, which would sit in there. They have this gallery, this company called Roca, where they showcase all their best toilets, essentially. And yeah, Yeah. so they asked us to build this form to gather emails and some basic information. And at the time, myself and my co-founder, we were running two small digital web agencies and we worked out of the same out of the same space and you know we got friendly we started collaborating on projects and then this project came along for this toilet company and they wanted us to build this form so we didn't want to build just any other form and we got inspired by the film war games and it's this film with matthew broderick and there's this i don't know how famous it is but i think it's it's pretty infamous where he is matthew broderick like Hacks into the NSA mainframe and he starts having a conversation with the computer, and it's basically like one line at a time. Like the computer asks a question, and then just below, like he he types in his answer. And there was like this kind of delight about having this like one thing at a time interaction with a computer. Before typhoon came out, like most forms were just you know laundry lists of questions, and you still find that today. So you know we we kind of challenged that, and we got inspired by that film, and we thought, yeah, forms don't have to be like a laundry list of questions they can be they can be interactive, they't do have to be boring, uh, you could put good design into it, et cetera.:
0: All right, so we can say that Typeform was inspired by the movie War Games, yes. but it would also be true to say that Typeform was built on a toilet, <laughs>
1: right Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> a toilet company sitting on the toilet thought of building a, a form and then a couple of web design companies collaborated uh, thought of a better approach for their <laughs> for their approach to doing a form there you go <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it just rolls off the tongue <laughs> okay so you and your co-founder robert you both of you guys are non-technical yes. You hadn't built a company like this before. You hadn't built a software company before. You guys were, you know, working, running these agencies. We didn't have a clue. We didn't even know what MRR was. <laughs> yeah. And yet you've gone on to build, I mean, Typeform, just to give people a sense of the size of the business, is that you guys are doing over $30 million ARR now. You have over 200 employees. And, you're still growing. Mm -hmm. And I think you've raised, what, over $50 million as well now? Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's massive, right? Compared to, did you ever imagine the business would be this big when you started out with this idea of of building this this company?
1: Actually, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah, and it's not because we had an experience or we were being arrogant about it. Like, I just remember when we realized how powerful the idea was that we kind of knew this was going to be really big. I just remember, you know, in the early prototypes and when we started seeing things coming together, I remember like having lunch with my co founder one day and us looking at each other nervously and thinking, oh shit. This is actually this could actually be really really big, and like you know, every company in the world would want to do stuff like this. And actually, the thing is, we were breaking the mold of what a form was at the time. Now, many companies are doing something similar to what we do. Like, for example, if you look at SurveyMonkey, FormStack, a whole bunch of other startups in kind of the same area that we do, they've adopted this kind of more conversational format. But you know, at the time, like. It was unheard of. Like, forms were just this boring thing that you would pay no attention to. You would never use it to really like, really generate interest or generate engagement. And, yeah, I, I think we just realized if you put... You know, forms are everywhere. You know, people are using them the whole time. They're this obligatory thing that people are having to do. And the fact that we were coming with something really refreshing, we just very quickly realized that this would be quickly adopted.
0: So tell me about the point where you... Went from working on this client project to deciding that this was a product on its own right. How did you guys get started? Was this a side project that you, you guys ran for a while while you were running the agencies? Like, how did you make that transition?
1: So it was quite a gradual process. Uh, I remember before we started that project for Roca, the toilet company, me and Robert had been collaborating on some client work, but we, we were kind of dreaming that I oh, wouldn't it be great to like start, like have kind of like focus on a product and kind of start a company. But we we can really like figure out the idea. We we came across one idea which was this uh collaborative karaoke. I think someone later down the line did it where you would crowdsource different bits of video to create like a a karaoke video. <laughs> we never did that. So when we came across the the, the project for for Roca, we thought, "Ah, this could be this could be the idea." So we we thought, "Well, let's let's try and maybe sell this to like some other of our clients that we had to try and get them interested. But very quickly we realized like, this is going to be the project. So we started working on it. Uh, we had our resources from our, our own company. So we started like kind of running it as a side project and actually we ran it as a side project for almost a year and a half. We were kind of in no rush. We wanted to do it right. Bear in mind that what we built for Rocker was just a prototype of the front end of the, of the interface. And it was actually, I mean, this is such a long time ago that the original prototype for Rocker was, was, was even done in Flash. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, we spent the better part of a year and a half building a back end and, and just iterating on the form interaction uh, to get to, to the kind of standard that you see more or less today. Obviously, we've we've iterated a bit more since then, but essentially the core experience is what we worked on a year and a half for a year and a half back in, in those early days.
0: Okay. So you're sort of building this product while you're running the agency. Both of you are a sort of, you know, very product driven, getting the right product and designing the right product is really important to you. And I know that's been kind of a big part of, the reason why you've had the success with Typeform. But how did you get your first customer?
1: So what we did is uh, about a few months before we were planning to release the beta, which is in 2013, February 2013. Sorry, is it 2012? I can't remember. Let's say 2012. Um we put out a landing page with a video of the typeform experience. And we put that out. I think we launched it on a cycle beta list, maybe. And through that we garnered like something like you know five thousand pre-invitations for the launch. So as soon as we launched, we already had like a you know a group of people that we could send Uh, emails too. And basically, they tried the product out, really liked it. They built type forms, and they shared those typeforms with their community. People in those communities were exposed to the typeforms. They saw something new, and they in turn started building their own typeforms. And that's basically the beginning of our marketing machine and our main acquisition channel. In fact, even today, word of mouth and and organic and, and the viral loot that we get from our own forms contributes around eighty percent of our of our new business. So yeah, it's super powerful. Like super, super powerful.
0: Was that deliberate or, or like did that sort of just happen by accident, the sort of the the built in virality of the product?
1: Yeah, it wasn't deliberate as far as saying, well let's find a product that has built in virality so that we can grow. No, it would just it just happened to be like that. Um, You know, Typeform is a product which allows you to build something that you share with people. Therefore, it's just inherently viral. This is how SurveyMonkey grew as well. They were the first company to put like, more or less like, forms as a service online. And they grew through their Powered by SurveyMonkey logo at the the bottom of their forms.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing with Typeform is that the the user interface is so unique, or, or certainly in those days was very unique compared to any other form that you found online. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, instantly stood out in terms of, hey, this is something different. Yeah. So were you charging for the product at that point? So
1: the first year we ran it as a beta, open beta, we didn't charge. When we finished the beta, we, we released with a pro plan. If I remember, it was like $25 or
0: something like that. And how did that do? Like were people lining up to pay for it?
1: Yeah, yeah. We got to our first 1,000 customers pretty pretty effortlessly. And once you get to a 1,000 customers, then, you know, if you can get to a 1,000, you can get to 5,000. If you get to 5,000, you can get to 10,000.
0: How long did it take you to get to that first 1,000? I don't remember
1: the, the customer numbers, but I do remember that we, after a year of the pricing being live, we reached a million in ARR. I do remember that. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we're basically on the uniform path, right? You you grow, like, to a million in the first year of launch.
0: So t- let's talk about the timeline here. So the beta was released when, like, 2012?
1: To 2012 or 2013. <laughs> I've never forgotten this. I don't know why, right? Okay.
0: And how long before that? Because you said you and Robert weren't in a uh, rush to get this product out. So for how long... We, I
1: think the original Rocker demo was, so it's 2012 that we released, sorry, it's 2012 we released the, the beta because the Rocker project, uh, the toilet company was about a year and a half, two years before that. So yeah, we were in no rush to release the beta. And when we released it, we stayed a year in beta until we officially launched on February 12th, 2013. And it'll be seven years by this February since we launched.
0: Okay. So, so in terms of timeline, the idea came up around 2012, you guys worked on it, that's right, 2010, you guys worked on it for about a year and a half, maybe two years before you launched the beta. Yeah. And then you hit 1 million, what, by the end of 2013, something like that?
1: February, 2014. Got it. So a year later. Okay.
0: So tell me a little bit about like the the business model here and you still offer a freemium, you still have a freemium model, right? So you have a free plan. Tell me a little bit about the thinking behind that. Like why did you guys decide that you were going to offer a free product?
1: Well, I think we realized this was a, a, a let's say a mass market product, which needed to be adopted by by many people. It wasn't niche. I mean, every company, every freelancer needs to interact with their customers. So it was obvious to us that we didn't want to put any barriers on that for people to try the product out. So freemium just seemed the way to go. Plus, all our competitors were also freemium. So it didn't make any sense for us to not do that.
0: Do you remember at the time, like how many competitors there were? Because like today, if I think about it, it feels like there are like endless number of companies building some kind of form or data capture yeah
1: there, there, were, there were many at the time and there's many today i think what differentiated us more then than today although i still think we're ahead of the curve in terms of interaction we were much more differentiated in the early days because everyone was just doing the plain vanilla forms they didn't treat These companies doing feedback, let's say data collection, were always just very focused only on the analysis of data. The actual collection through the form was just a means to an end. No no company ever thought of actually making that into a great experience. And remember, this is before the time of chatbots even.
0: Right, right. And so SurveyMonkey was probably around at that time, and I'm sure there were lots of others. Yeah. Apart from the UX, I mean... Was that like the main differentiator for you guys? Like you were saying, like this is the one thing that we're going to make the big bet on that if we can kind of create a unique enough user interface, people are going to pick this product over our competitors.
1: That's exactly it. That's why people pick us because we have the best form interaction experience. We make them typically what we get out of when we do jobs to be done surveys. The typical phrase is you'd make me look good. So they trust us to make their form interaction feel as human, uh, as, as conversation
0: as possible. But the problem with the user interface is that it's also one of the easiest things for competitors or copycat kind of products to copy. So was that an issue for you?
1: Well, we were always worried about that very early on, but it didn't seem to hinder us growing competitors have adopted more conversational forms as well like we've kind of led the market to that but you know for us it's you know we're just it's our core dna design so we're just trying to stay ahead of the curve always other companies have different core competencies they're better on on other things so i don't know take qualtrics they're better dealing with massive enterprises and their features are, are kind of orientated towards that we pay well with a certain type of customer that cares about design, cares about experience, is
0: a certain size,
1: and identifies with our brand.
0: I forgot to ask you, like, how did you build the product? I'm assuming it was neither of you two doing it right? So like, did you... No,
1: basically, we, uh, well, in the early, early days, like we had Carlos, which was a, a, f- a front-end engineer, and we had a back-end engineer, which worked. in. actually, they were part of Robert's web dev shop. And basically, they, they were the ones kind of building out the early builds. Then later on, we just started hiring. We brought in dedicated resources to just focus on Typeform. It was actually called form at the time. But this was even before that we left our day jobs. We were still running the companies, but we, we hired, a, I think it was a couple of people just to work on the on the side project.
0: Okay. And then at what point did you guys decide that you were going to stop working on the agencies and this was going to become a full-time business for you?
1: Just thinking the timeline, I think it was during the beta, I think we were still doing some of our, we still kept our agencies going. But close to time, we raised our first round, which was... You know, right in the middle of the beta period we, you know, we, I, I folded my, my agency and Robert gave his agency to someone else to run.
0: And so I know you raised what it was like about just over like a million euros at that point around.
1: No, first round, we did a couple of seed rounds. First was 500K. Next one was 1.2 million. Then we did the series A and series B.
0: And so had you guys raised money before?
1: No, never. I mean, literally, we had no experience as founders. (laughs) Our our background was just, you know, servicing clients with design and and development. That was our back. So I, I even remember we tried to raise money here in Spain, and we went to a couple of VCs. With the idea, we had a kind of rough prototype, and no one would look at it just because. Well, they looked at it, but they just didn't get it. We sat down with the two top VCs here in, in Spain. One, so the top business agent, a top business uh, business VC. They didn't see it. I think what they were more focused on is that. And I remember them saying this: "You're a bit too uh, wet behind the ears to like run a business." Like here, here you say in Spanish: "Estáis un poco verdes." Like a bit, like. Not mature enough to really, like see this through essentially. So it wasn't the way we raised money. We had to go outside Spain, and it just it just all happened really by by accident. Some some guy called Piotr Kulesha, Piotr Kulesha, came across the company profile on on I think it was even Angel AngelList, uh, saw the product was. Was got really excited. Set up a call. He brought in Christoph Jans, who was running, uh, you know, the Point Nine Capital Fund, which was the fund which eventually led the first round. Piotr was an investor in that fund, and basically it just happened very quickly. They just saw it. They they just, you know, thought this was a really, you know, this could be disruptive. And yeah, they were right. And the VCs here in Spain were wrong. And I'm sure. Some of them regret it.
0: Yeah, I mean they were wrong, but they were also right in terms of saying you guys are you know inexperienced and and you you'd be the first to admit that as well. Um, but they were wrong in terms of not making a bet on this on, on you and the company.
1: That's not a criteria for for investing in, in founders. Like experience you can get, like you can learn how, how to run a company, how metrics work, and you know, especially if you're early stage, yeah. But you know that trying to get product market fit and being able to build a product that has that. It's not easy to learn that. Right. At least I don't think so.
0: So how how are you guys figuring this stuff out? Because at the beginning you said, Hey, you know, when we started out, we didn't even know what MRR was. And so like, was was this just a, a, a lot of, you know, trial and error on the job? And Um, and when you look back, do you you sort of,
1: talked to us about the kind of SaaS metrics, the funnel, you know, all these basic things. We, we you know, we, we read up on it. We t- trial and error, tried things. Just in conversations, we we just picked that up. I mean, it's not rocket science to just, like, do the the basics. Like, where it gets a bit more complex is when, you know, the SaaS business gets uh, more complicated, and it's, it's a lot of levers and a lot of micro things we need to change to affect the top line, and you know, it does get complex in terms of you have having to manage a lot of things but at the beginning don't think it like really held us back I mean again the product just spoke for itself and that drove everything
0: yeah I think I think that was I mean in, in many ways like that's one thing that really helped you guys in you know in terms of building a great product getting the beta out there and having a lot of interest and and hitting that 1 million ARR mark like really quickly a lot of founders could launch a beta and two three years later they might still be trying to figure out how to get to their first 100k arr right
1: yeah absolutely yeah i mean we were lucky lucky to stumble across this idea lucky with the timing yeah 50% luck 50% i guess execution and and sweat
0: so when you look back at those like you know, we can sort of look at the story and say, Hey, you know, David and Robert came up with this great idea, you know, at the right time, they were great at, you know, had a great vision for how this product should be different from their competitors. And, you know, it really resonated with the market. And, you know, before they knew it, they'd they'd hit their first million dollars a year and they'd kind of raising money and all that sort of stuff. But was it really that easy? What were some of the tough parts of of going through that journey? Sorry, about raising money was easy, or I'm just trying to figure out like how smooth sailing the first few years were. It was very smooth
1: sailing. It was just all growth, growth, growth. I don't think this happens to that many startups. We were just on a tear, basically. I mean, we we created a really. Great atmosphere in the office, like it was very open culture, a lot of freedom, just a lot of motivation. It's just, you know, it's the early days. It's just a small group of people like really like killing it. So yeah, the first three years was just, yeah, very, very smooth sailing. But, you know, like all things, like to reach new plateaus of growth, you know, you have to get a bit more serious with the business. And I think this especially kind of like hit home in the last year and a half too, whereby, you know, we built, like I mentioned, we built a very kind of, let's say, people first culture, which meant that, you know, we didn't put a lot of boundaries around, around people. So it was a lot, of, a lot of freedom, a lot of goodwill. But, you know, you can do that when you're, 30 or so people in the company, but when you start crossing 150 people, it becomes a bit more complex and actually. I think we reached a point in the company's size where there, there was a serious you know a significant lack of accountability and we were seeing like issues with you know speed of execution and so forth and i think that was because we didn't like operationalize things well enough uh, because we you know everything was fine we we're just growing 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 and you know we didn't need to worry about those things but obviously like i say when you start getting further down the line you have to start really you know let's say maturing a little bit as a company and putting some processes in, putting some structure in, a bit of hierarchy. Otherwise, what you have is just many people looking in different directions. And, you know, it's a hard journey. It's a lot of ups and downs.
0: So give me an example of, um, like when you said, like, you know, there was uh, a lot of freedom and no accountability. And so give me an example of that.
1: At the beginning, it was just a lot of trust that everyone, you know, was just putting their part in. That's a good thing, right? Yeah, it's it's a good thing. But, you know, when you grow to a certain size... You know, it's more, you know what happens, like, and this happens with us, we had a problem with a culture of consensus, when there's such a good kind of atmosphere in the company that no one really wants to, like, challenge each other too much. So what, you, what happens is that, you know, when it comes to decisions, everyone that's kind of involved or affected by the decision has to have their input and their voice, and, you know, in theory, that's good. You know, people should be heard. I'm not saying they shouldn't, but it slows down decision-making very much. And it also means, you know, if you don't have one person that's taking a decision, you know, and sometimes against the will of other people, if you don't have that person that say, no guys, we're going to be doing this, then <laughs> what you have is like people not buying into decisions and not, you know, if a group decides, there's always going to be like some people on the side, which aren't, aren't buying in. So, you know, having A designated person in the team like making a decision and there's accountable is very important. You know, like let's say the product manager, for example. Um, And we just had a lack of that kind of instrumentation. And I think it just made us, it just made us slower. Uh, As well, combine that with a lot of freedom, you know, unlimited holidays, you know, completely flexible work schedule. We still have those things, but we just didn't put enough boundaries on them. or Like expectations of like what we expect you to do here at Typeform. And now we kind of putting those things a bit more in place and making people understand that if we're not as organized or working as hard as our competitors, then, you know, how can we expect to really like stay competitive in the market? It's, you know, the best companies manage to get where they are because they manage to get a flywheel of, of of production going. And that's, that's hard work, and that's determination and grit and all these things. And you don't get that if you just create a, a laid-back culture where you don't like have high expectations on standards. And just looking back at it, to what we had before, we didn't have enough high expectations or, 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 or put the bar high enough. We were just riding the kind of the, the wave of just like natural growth, and you know, just kind of sit and laid back into that.
0: But that's worked for you though. Yeah, but you know,
1: I have to say you know, like in the last, let's say year and a half, growth has not met our expectations as well. Now we're seeing a new inflection point but you know, you could definitely see that really hyper growth kind of tapering out when we started getting close to like, to like 15, 20 million around there. So, you know, we're ambitious. We want to take this to like as many companies as possible and I think we're doing something really important. So we really want to see this grow and Everyone wants to be on a winning team. So we have to really put those instruments and boundaries there to make sure that we're really performing to our best level.
0: So you guys are seeing this as a $100 million plus business opportunity at the moment, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a massive industry. I mean, if you just look at forms, sorry, surveys alone, the market in the US for just surveys, which is just one of our use case, I don't know what the latest numbers are, but it used to be like, something like 3 billion. So it's huge. We're just a blip right now. We have good brand awareness because we play well with the startup community and so forth. And, you know, if you know tech, not necessarily in a tech company, you'll know Typeform, but you know, we haven't. Reach, Let's say that if you look at the product adoption curve, I think we're just, you know, we've definitely like got the early adopters and we're into the next part, but we haven't really like addressed like the later
0: market yet. Yeah, oh. I'm curious, if you were starting out today, is this market something that you would still want to get into and enter? Or do you feel like th- there's already enough competitors or players in the market? It would be harder for you to to find that opportunity today than it was back in 2012?
1: It depends how differentiated the product would be. So actually, Typeform is launching a new product. We've had it in, in beta for a while. It's called VideoAsk. And it's kind of a startup inside Typeform. So it's kind of that situation, right? So I guess the question is, why are we launching a product like Video Ask? And it's because... We're once again trying to disrupt the way people are asking for information. So, what what I would say is that would I have done it again today in the current market? Yes, if I had the differentiated product. But if I would today launch a product like Typeform with more advanced forms, let's say, I think. I'd have my work cut out because mm, maybe it wouldn't be differentiated enough, but with a product like VideoAsk, which is a video driven, let's say uh, version of Typeform, it's differentiated and it's now addressing again, a n- possibly opening new markets, but allowing people to do this and, you know, collect data in a more human and personal way. So yeah, I guess the point is, is like, you know, if you have something differentiated, then you've got a good chance, but otherwise mm, it's pretty competitive out there.
0: So tell me about how video ask works. Like if I was setting this up, like, or or maybe from a, a customer perspective, somebody's filling or responding to this, what does that experience look like?
1: So I could consume it as a widget in someone's website or someone can send me a video ask link. And essentially what it does, it loads a video of a person asking me one or a series of questions. And I can answer to those questions via video as well uh or text or or audio if i want you know if you're a bit too shy to answer by a video you can you can use those and basically you can have several steps in the video so it feels like someone's asking you a question and you answer then then they ask you another question and you can soon put logic into it so that you can have different decision trees and so forth so it's really trying to like almost emulate the kind of Uh, a conversation, but asynchronously. And another really cool thing is that, so you put a video ask out there and you start getting new, new responses, but you can actually respond to those responses via video as well. They actually create like a threaded uh, video ask conversation, which is really interesting. And I, for example, we, I use it, for video ask to do support. So I get support tickets sometimes via video, and then I can answer via video. It means I don't have to write an email or like waste any time, so it's super fast. And we're seeing some really nice adoption in certain communities, for example, like coaches, people that, that have personal brands that deal like, like to deal face to face with people. It's a really big time saver because they can just get people to give them, a, they, they can put out a question there, they get a video response, and then they can continue an asynchronous video exchange.
0: So, I'm curious, why did you launch this as a separate brand? Like, you know, people can go and check it out at videoask.com, but like, why not just build this functionality into Typeform?
1: Because it's not just a feature. I think it's just a different mindset. And like, the way you build this, build a video ask needs to be different to the way you build a a Typeform. I mean, you can embed a video ask question inside a Typeform, but also, actually, there's another big reason. We, do, we wanted to build this product without having any dependencies of the Typhoon product, so we can move as fast as we could. Bear in mind, it was a, it's a very small team working on on, on VideoAsk, and had we been building it inside the core product, we would have to do it many dif- uh, in a different way, and we would have been slowed down. So uh, speed was actually a big factor as well.
0: Um, okay, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a really interesting way to to engage with people and i'm also wondering if you're seeing higher response rates than sort of a traditional text-based survey when when people are using this type of interface
1: yeah it's till, still early days because we probably don't have enough data to really compare it to Typeform. So I'm going to just hold back on that one right now. But definitely people perceive that, that, yeah, if they put a video there, it's more engaging. Typically, like, videos are more engaging. That said, I think, you know, for different use cases, you might not always want to have a video. Therefore, Typeform is, is the right solution.
0: How are you promoting the product? Because, like, when I go into... Go to the Typeform homepage. I don't really see any mention of it. I know, I know, there's a link in the footer or something, but
1: we're we're, we're working on launching that. So we're going to be launching properly the next month and a half. So you'll we'll start seeing it uh, much more apparent.
0: Basically, the thing
1: is, it's been developed in a just a, in, in a small team, separate. I, I'm leading this team. Like I used to be the CEO of the company, and I stepped down a year ago, and and you know started working some point after that on this product and i took a a developer with me and started building a team around that so it's really been like separate to typeform but now people at typeform are starting to get involved and like the marketing department is also going to start supporting it and so forth so you know we want to get it out there because we really think we we believe we can build as big business with video ask as we have with, with with typeform so it's
0: uh it's early days And so how many people worked on Video Asks uh, so far? Like how how big has the team been?
1: So the team until four weeks ago was just two people, myself and a front-end guy. And we we also working with an external agency that was building the iOS app and was doing the back-end. Now we've hired a back-end developer to join the team full-time and another front-end. And we've just had a another kind of engineer slash product person join the team. So it's a small team, but we're, we're, we're moving fast.
0: Okay. A lot of people building a product would say, I, I can't build a great enough product because either you know i i don't have money to hire a developer or etc or maybe you know i've got one guy or one girl working on this product you could have thrown a lot more people in at this so why did you decide initially it was just like going to keep it so small i don't
1: think you get more out of having more people at the problem I think you need few people doing something really well to start off with if you want to accelerate that then you need people but everything has to be very clear uh, I think we were able to move fast just by having less people. It's less conversations. It's more clarity. So, yeah, no, I wouldn't... Like bigger companies do this, like throw loads of people at a problem. I mean, it depends the size of the problem as well, of course. But in our case, no, definitely wouldn't recommend putting too many people at a problem. So, I mean, in videos, we had the key ingredients. So we had... So I'm I'm a product, let's say, product maker... Uh, So I manage the product. I'm also designing the product and I'm also doing some of the front end work a little bit on the, let's say the lighter front end stuff. And then we had a really good front end engineer who was really fast. And then, yeah, as I mentioned, we had to other people doing stuff uh, externally so it was just really focused and we could move really fast wouldn't have wanted to add more people into that mix at that stage but now yes we're slowly putting more people on the product side and then yes we need functions such as marketing and customer success to support the product as we start to like roll it out to a bigger and audience.
0: then is the plan to kind of keep it as a separate company or are you going to kind of integrate it back into Typeform it's video
1: asked by Typeform it's a separate brand but we're it's like a sub-brand it kind of looks like Typeform acquired a company, actually. <laughs> it says, uh, video asked by Typeform on the website. Yeah. I mean, for now, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's as a separate entity. Well, actually, no, a business entity, it's not. It's like run through the same company, but it, it, it seems like it's another thing.
0: Yeah. We'll have to chat about that in a while and see how that's growing. I'm really curious to see how, how this sort of shapes out and you going through this experience of building a, essentially, a new product from scratch is, uh, it's kind of interesting, but it's also kind of a really fun time as well, especially if you're a product guy.
1: Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's, I'm having a break, to be honest. Better than being CEO.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's wrap up and uh, move on to the lightning round. So I'm going to ask you seven quick fire questions. So just try to answer them as quickly as you can. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. What's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Uh, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful founder? Doesn't accept failure too early. (laughs) What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? Typeform. Of course. (laughs) What's a new or crazy business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the time? Don't have any, just to focus on what I'm doing right now. What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? I used to be a signed musician. And what's one of your most important passions outside of your work? Don't have any.
1: <laughs> <laughs> really? I don't I don't do anything but work and I have a family and that's it. I play the drums. <laughs>
0: There you go. There you go. We've had the drums.
1: So yeah. I like eating food and traveling. There you go.
0: Yeah, that's good enough. All right. Cool. So thank you for joining me. It's been a blast talking and, and kind of hearing about what you've been up to at Typeform and, and Video Ask. And if people want to check out the products, they can go to typeform.com or videoask.com. And if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way For them to do that.
1: Yeah, my phone number is 691 684, and I won't say the rest. (laughs) <laughs> that's the best way because email is like uh, uh, no, actually if you want to if you want to talk about the video ask product we actually have a video ask slack community and you can join it via if you go to our website in the footer there's a link to it more than happy to talk about video ask things please don't chat to me through there if you're having uh, an issue with typeform form. hope you don't but if you do <laughs> I'm there just to talk about video ask but definitely if you want to chat to me about that or you know want maybe any advice on starting up a company happy to talk to you as well
0: all right cool david thank you it's been a pleasure i wish you all the best
1: thanks it's been it's been a pleasure thanks a lot omar
0: cheers